This episode is brought to you by my brand new membership program for moms, the Mission Motherhood Academy. The Mission Motherhood Academy was created for mission-driven mamas who are ready to conquer their mental load and write a motherhood narrative that is filled with intention, joy, and honors the mission of motherhood that God has called them to. Through my monthly live workshop and group coaching program, you will go through the seven-tier Mission Motherhood framework that will teach you how to manage motherhood strategically and intentionally so you can get back to what matters most, your mission. This program is like none other, with a mix of live workshops, monthly mini courses, group coaching calls, guest expert sessions, and a private community just for you. You'll be fully equipped to step into the motherhood mission God is calling you to without the overwhelm. Topics we will cover include identifying the gaps in your current systems and creating strategic solutions around them, becoming solutions-oriented and choosing joy even on your hardest days, simplifying and organizing your home so that your home serves you well, creating and implementing structured yet flexible routines for you and your family that will put you back in the driver's seat, and more. We will focus on building and solidifying your foundation in the home so that you can be intentional and present in every area God has called you. So what are you waiting for? Head to carolinejsemlin.com slash join MMA right now to enroll. Plans start at just $29 a month. That's carolinejsemlin.com slash join MMA. Welcome to the Mission Motherhood Podcast, a podcast created to help you conquer the mental load of motherhood so you can be intentional with the missions God has called you to both in and out of motherhood. Here, you will learn how to manage it all, your time, your home, your family, your career, and more so you can go from feeling overwhelmed and stretched thin to mothering with joy and living fully on purpose for the Lord. If you're ready to change your motherhood narrative, reclaim your joy, own your time, and get back to your mission, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, founder, and CEO of Mission Motherhood, Caroline J. Sumlin. Ready? Let's do this. Hey, mamas, welcome back to the show. Okay, so today I'm telling you all my story. I'm telling you my story. And I'm really excited to be bringing you this bonus episode today. Um, and I let me preface this, this isn't my whole story. But this is one of my stories, one of my stories that um, definitely has is something that I haven't talked too 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 much about. But I think it is so important to share this aspect of my story to get you all to um, understand the Caroline that used to be before the Caroline that you see now, who is behind this mic and teaching you the content and delivering the content and um, has become very much the opposite of who she used to be. So I'm really excited to to share this with you all today in this bonus episode. You know, I don't typically do episodes twice a week, but it is launch week for the Mission Motherhood Academy. And um, I'm so excited mamas are already hopping in there and getting started with content and choosing to say yes to themselves. And I 
so excited. I hope to see you in Mission Motherhood Academy. But um, to sort of wrap up launch week, I thought it would be really appropriate and special to share this part of my story with you all. So as you could tell from the title and the intro, I'm sharing my story of perfectionism and how it affected me more than I ever realized at the time I was going through it, which is really the majority of my life. Um, I'm going to get raw and real here in this episode, and I really hope that you're you're ready to receive it. Um, so to start, I have a lot of trauma in my past, and I won't get into the nitty gritty of all the trauma right now because that would cause this episode to be entirely too long. Um, I think, you know, as I as this as this podcast progresses, you will just end up hearing those bits and pieces of the trauma as it pertains to the different stories and lessons and topics that I cover throughout the podcast. Um, so I think you'll, you'll, you'll definitely hear it. You just won't hear it all in one big fill suit because that would just be way too overwhelming and way too much time. Um, but that trauma caused me to battle deep feelings of unworthiness and self-hatred for most of my preteen, teenage, and young adult life. And honestly, I will I let let's I'll be honest and say most of my childhood as well. I don't think I recognized that that's the feelings that that those were the feelings that I was having as a child. I don't think I could really identify them um when I was a child, but looking back and reflecting on my behaviors and just some of the thoughts that crossed my mind and some of the memories that I have as a child um that's what comes up for me. So honestly, I can say for a good chunk of my, like, you know, I would say elementary through young adult life that those are the feelings that I battled. Um, I remember growing up believing that I was a mistake, that I, I believed that I had to earn love and that I had to earn happiness. And even simple childhood pleasures like playing with my friends or or socializing or something along those lines, or just going out for ice cream with your parents or whatever, that it seemed like I had to earn every single thing that I wanted or did or whatever, from the simple things to the most complex things that you you know probably do need to earn. Like you do need to earn rewards. Of course, I believe in earning um, you know, working hard and earning things. I, I'm a firm believer in that, but no child should ever have to feel like they have to earn love or just earn enjoying things with your family or just earn an, a trip to the ice cream store just for the heck of it, right? Like those are things that should just be enjoyed in childhood. Um, and I, I believed I was a mistake largely because of my adoption. And then it kind of just filtered in through other things that I went through as a child, even after the adoption, that kind of just, it was a culmination of all, all of the feelings, all of the, all the things. <laughs> um, but this constant belief that I had to constantly earn love is what led to my extreme perfectionism that was so intense at one point, I'm pretty sure I had and maybe still have a little bit of undiagnosed general anxiety disorder. I really do believe that at one point it was really that bad. And had I had I seen um, or had I sought mental health um, ex- expertise, I'm sure that probably would have been a diagnosis um, in my very young adult years. I'm going to share with you all a few ways my perfectionism presented itself 
before I became a mom and after becoming one, I think sharing examples is important because, you know, someone listening to this may be dealing with the same thing or may not have realized that they dealt with the same thing. Maybe you never knew what caused it or what, you know, what sort of fingers to put on what was going on. So I always just feel there's so much power in sharing um sharing specifics as much as possible, as much as one is comfortable with. So I'm going to share some examples of what this looked like in my life, how this played out for me. Um, So for example, doing any sort of like written work in high school, college or beyond, like this is something that I still struggle with sometimes to say it's super simple, but something as simple as like note taking would take me a long time because I would erase and start again if my handwriting wasn't perfect. Um, I would get so upset if I had bad handwriting day and it, honestly it would ruin the rest of the day for me. Like if I felt like I just could not get my writing to be like like literally the the standard of perfection that I wanted it to be or look exactly like I wanted it to be, I would literally be like upset with myself for just having a bad handwriting day, which sounds so crazy now, like like who does that? But that was just one of like the the small ways that like my perfectionism would present itself with making sure that like my handwriting was perfect in school, that my my books and my backpack were always ordered from from largest to smallest to um, constantly checking myself in the mirror and making sure that like the way that my backpack and the way that my my, my outfit was like all lined up. Like I, I never wanted to like look out of place. I hated if anything wasn't ever like matching like this is specifically like as a teenager I would hate if you know my my necklace and my earrings didn't go perfectly together I spent so much time picking out the best outfits or the right outfits because I wanted to fit in I wanted to I wanted to feel pretty like honestly um, I wanted to feel pretty like a lot of the white girls too because living in a suburban area living um, with predominantly white people around me, I thought that I wasn't beautiful just in general. Um, and I struggled with that so much with my body type, with my skin color, with my hair type and everything. And I definitely felt so unworthy and so unpretty. Um, TLC, shout out to TLC. <laughs> um, and I, that, you know, that those feelings as a teenager mixed with just the overall feelings of not being worth anything, definitely led to some really serious um, perfectionist ways, like obsessively perfectionist ways in getting dressed and my my appearance that really kind of carried all up until I would say being pregnant with my first child is when I kind of started to let go of some of those things. Um, So I, that, that's, that's one of the ways that my perfectionism um, would present itself. Um, I was and can still be extremely hard on myself whenever I'm not doing anything up to like the impossible standards that I set myself, um, set for myself. This often resulted in depression and more anxiety as a child. Um, Now it looks different, which I'll go into what it looks like for me now and what happens when I still kind of have that back and forth battle with my mind and the enemy and the Holy Spirit and all that kind of stuff. I'll go into that later. But right now I'm just talking about how it presented itself before I became like the new me. <laughs> um, so this often resented, uh, resulted in the depression, anxiety um, as a as a teenager, even as a child. I remember specifically as a kid, um, I was a tennis player and I played competitive tennis and I would hit my racket on the court if I was performing poorly. I had a really, like a really bad mental toughness. It was really hard for me to win 
um, tournaments and things of that nature, really with anything that I did, because I like my mental game was just shot, like mindset was really, really difficult for me. Um, And I would be so hard on myself in schoolwork and the grades that I earned, um, forcing myself to be involved in as many activities as possible for the sake of feeling worthy, important and exhausted, because I thought exhaustion was a badge of honor. Like if I was barely sleeping and I was super important and, and working all the time and I could just prove how important I was and how worthy I was and how smart I was. And and again, like how like everybody else that seemed better and smarter and prettier and blah, blah, blah than me, then I, I thought that I would finally be worth something. And so I wore that exhaustion and that busyness as a badge of honor. Um, that was in high school and in college. In college, I would push myself as much as I could and take an extreme amount of credits and juggle many different activities. And honestly, that just resulted in a sliding GPA instead of a a good GPA. So that was really tough for me because in college, it was a lot harder for me to make as good of grades as I did in high school. Um, My norm was to stay up until three o'clock in the morning working and studying and then wake up and go to class at eight o'clock in the morning. And I would do this even if there was no assignment or exam I was cramming for. And I would just be trying to stay on top of reading and study like I thought a good student should. And there's a part of that too, that there was a lot of fear in me not being smart enough to retain the material and, you know, not wanting to be behind in my work, any sort of like thought of feeling like I was behind or not on top of it or couldn't come to class prepared gave me a lot of anxiety as well. So I always was just like wanting to just, again, be perfect, perform well, like everything is a performance. It's funny, side note, I thought for the longest time because of this per- these perfectionist tendencies, I thought that I was an Enneagram one. Um, for those of you that are familiar with the Enneagram, if not, please go take the test because it's so, so, so good. Um, I'll actually link the test that I took in the show notes for you because I, um, I took an Enneagram test that's rooted in faith. And I think that that's also really important to find a good quality test to take. Um, But for the longest time, I thought I was an Enneagram one. And I took the test the first time. And I can't remember. I honestly thought it was like an equal score between one and three. And so it was like, you could be either one of these. And I chose one because I just immediately saw the perfectionism and the self-criticism that a one tends to um, have um, towards themselves. And I just dismissed the three without really looking into the three more um, because, well, I knew that the three was like, you know, wanted achievement and approval. But I, I thought when I first looked at that, I thought it was more like in a vain way of like, I want everyone to like me. And I've never wanted everyone to like me. I wanted I to like me. I wanted that. That's not obviously that's not. Um, grammatically correct. I did that on purpose, but I wanted me to like me. Really, that's really what it was. I I was always searching for my own approval, my own worth. But my motivator for my perfectionism was still worthiness and accomplishment. Versus, whereas a one, I think they're more their perfectionism is rooted in I must be good. I must be a good person. I must be moral. I must be ethical. I must be upstanding. And there's a certain aspect of that that I align with, but I'm way more like, for me, it's all about like, I want to achieve. I want to achieve. I want to accomplish. I want to, I want to achieve all the things because to me, achievement equals worth. And that is like exactly how an Enneagram three views themselves. And 
when you're operating as an unhealthy Enneagram three, it results itself in what a lot of what I've just explained to you, right? Whereas when you're um, when you're exercising yourself as a when you're when you're in your healthy state, it's obviously much different um, and and presents itself way 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 better and allows for grace and things of that nature. But um, I just that was just a funny aside that I just kind of wanted to share um, in case anyone struggles with the same thing or or anything of that anything like that. But really, when I took that test, um, it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I was like, oh okay, this all is starting to tie together. And I really think there's so much healing that comes from tying things together and really figuring out exactly why you are the way that you are, because then you can heal from those things that, you know, have no place, right? The, all that trauma and hurt that we all have in some way, shape or form. But anyway, moving on. Um, so speaking of other perfectionist type things that I was doing, I mentioned like wanting to look perfect um, as, a, as a teenager and those kinds of things. And even as an adult, even as a young adult, like when I was um, teaching school, my my first few years of teaching school before I had a child, that perfectionism was was perfectionism was still in me, and I was so obsessed with being like with my with my nails being perfect. Like that was literally how obsessed I was with perfectionism. So I would be furiously painting over my nails at work whenever the polish chipped off, just to try to keep them perfect. Like I I would literally have. A, a a feeling of anxiety inside of me that like when I saw that my nails were chipped, I would have anxiety. Like that sounds crazy, right? Like when you listen to this now, you're like, whoa, Caroline, you have a problem or you had a problem. But when I was living it, that was real. That was real. I thought, I don't even know if I could really articulate exactly what I thought. I just knew that I had to fix it. I just knew that I didn't want to be undone. It was like, I didn't want to reveal that I was really falling apart inside. And I wanted to continuously just be perfect, be perfect, be perfect to prove my love and prove my worth. And uh, I should say, prove my worthiness of love. And I, and I will say that in the beginning of like my young adult years, um, I met my husband right after I graduated college. Um, And right after I graduated college, I was actually at my healthiest, I would say mentally um, up until now. But um, but then I kind of spiraled when we got married and, and then I became an instant stepmom because when we, when I had graduated college and I kind of had like the, the, the pressure of college off of me, um, I had just surrendered my life to the Lord and had just very clearly heard him say not to pursue journalism, which is what I thought I was going to do. I went to school to be a journalist, specifically a broadcast journalist. I had internships. I was prepared. I had a reel all ready to go to apply for, you know, a position like a a, a small town reporter position somewhere in, you know, East Jesus, Arkansas. Like I, I was really prepared to go live in some small town where whoever would take me first, become a multimedia journalist, start my life over and just see where the Lord took me. And God was like, actually, I'm not calling you to do that. So when I surrendered my life to him, it was more of like a re-surrender, like a full on surrender of I don't just believe in you, Lord, but like I now laid out my life to live for you. I'm dying to my flesh to live for you. God was like, er, stop not doing journalism. You're going to stay here. And so 
I was working for Apple at the time, like the Apple store, and I just went full time. Like I just graduated from college and then I just continued working. I applied for a full time position as a technician, got the position that time at my husband, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, um, but that around that time, I was like 22, 23, 24 when I was dating my husband and just didn't really have a lot of pressure, right? Like I had no pressure to to perform well in school. My job at Apple was going for the most part pretty well. I was still like, the world was still my oyster. Like I still felt young and like I had the whole world ahead of me and, and, you know, time to figure out what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to to transition careers. I knew that Apple was kind of like a stepping stone. It wasn't forever. Um, but I, I, that I, I didn't have those same anxieties. Like I, I was starting to let myself go and started to really love myself for who I was as I was just drawing so close to the Lord. I, like I was, that was a time in my life where I was so close to God. I was so, so, so close to him. I didn't have a man, you know, I was dating my husband, my now husband, but I wasn't married. You know what I'm saying? So like I could go to church all day Sunday. I would serve in the morning, go to service, then have a small group and then come back in the evening and go to evening service. I had to spend all day at church and I was hanging out with my girls. I had no kids and it was the life. Okay. Like don't get me wrong, y'all know I love motherhood because that's where I'm here, but I'm just reflecting back on that time and it was just, it's crazy how, like, that's the last time I remember myself, like, that was, that's the first time I remember myself ever being like, whew, like, taking a deep breath and exhaling and just beginning to love myself and, and letting go of those ridiculous standards of perfection that I, because I didn't have to prove myself to anybody and I could just be me, you know? So when I got married, though, um, and became an instant full-time stepmom to my then 13-year-old stepson, who is now 18, um, that pressure just came, like, rushing back. I felt so much pressure to prove myself worthy of being a stepmom and being a wife, right? So that pattern comes back of trying to prove myself worthy. Now I had someone and something that was counting on me. And I had to prove that I deserved to be there, that I deserved the good thing that had come to me. Because again, going back to my childhood, I thought I had to earn every good thing. Whereas the Lord says, like, I've given you a free gift of grace and a free gift of salvation and a free gift of love that you don't have to earn. But as a child, I believed I had to earn every good thing. So as a result... I felt the same way when I got married. Well, really, like even being engaged, like I remember asking my husband, like, are you sure you want to marry me? Because I don't think I'm all that great. Um, And that like it just it just spiraled as a stepmom that looked like trying to slave away in the kitchen and prepare full course meals from scratch for every single dinner and having a complete nervous breakdown when it looked like my stepson didn't like the food. Um, it also looked like me denying help with anything from my husband or anyone else for that matter, because I wanted to prove that I could do it all. I continued to battle with this during my first pregnancy and especially postpartum. Um, I refused help at work while I was pregnant. Like if my colleagues are trying to help me by lift something or tell me to sit down or whatever, I, no, 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 I can do it. I can do it. I can do this by myself. I got this. Like, it's like, I remember myself, my three-year-old now, like that's how she sounds. Like I can do all by myself. Mom. I don't need your help. Like that's literally how I was acting when I was pregnant because I wanted to prove that, look at me, I can do this. I'm good. I'm worthy. I'm smart. I'm whatever, you know, I'm perfect. 
see. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I did that. <laughs> I did that while I was pregnant and, and even postpartum, I would refuse to sit down when I was healing. I was just felt like I should be able to carry on with life. I should be able to have the baby, nurse the baby and continue with keeping the house clean. And I, I didn't even like my mom came to help me with the baby the first time. And, you know, she was cooking and she was cooking every day. And I felt like I was lounging around on the couch and I felt anxious about the lounging. I felt anxious about the healing. I felt anxious like I was I was wrong, that I didn't deserve to be doing that, like that no one should be helping me right now because I didn't earn that, even though I had just had this baby and had just done the most traumatic thing and was going through postpartum. Like I still felt like I was unworthy of that help. So I slowed down my healing by trying to do more things, which ended up catching up to me um, and, and delaying the healing process in my body. So that was, you know, that was a lesson I had to learn. But um, essentially that that pressure continued, of course, and and it got to the point where it it caught up to me, like it finally, after all of those years caught up to me. And I finally really felt like I had failed. Like the failure that I was so afraid of all of this time, I felt like I had failed when I had that moment where everything caught up to me. But that was exactly what was needed. I needed to finally be pushed to the edge for me to wake up and realize what my insane perfectionism and anxiety was doing to me and my family. I was trying so hard to be that perfect wife, mom, stepmom, woman, you know, career teacher, really, that's what I was, I was a teacher at the time. But, um, you know, I was just trying to strive for that perfection. And the intense stress and anxiety that came with that was just doing the exact opposite. Like instead of proving myself worthy to my family, I was bringing them down with me. And my husband had brought it to my attention that something really needed to change, that I needed to start taking care of myself or our children would end up growing up without a mom if I kept up at the rate that I was going. And that hit me really hard. But he was right. He was right. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit to today, like to present day, present day, Caroline. Um, I'm much different now, but perfectionism is something I still struggle with. It's something that I am healing from, but Healing is not an overnight process, and that is okay. Anyone out there who's healing from anything right now knows that. But I know that as moms, as humans, as, you know, people that live in the 21st, I was like, what, what century is it? <laughs> live in the 21st century of all the instant gratification that we have, it can feel really hard when something like healing is not an, an overnight process, but it's not, and it's not supposed to be because if it was, then we wouldn't need the Lord anymore, right? God wants us to always need us. So it's always going to be a journey, a little, little bit, a little baby step forward every single day. That's, that's the real healing. So right now, this healing from me usually looks a little more like a mental battle where the enemy is trying to attack me mentally and a spiritual battle where the Holy Spirit, or I'm choosing the Holy Spirit over how the enemy is trying to attack my mind. So my spirit, you know, reminding me that 
rest is in Jesus. While my mind is trying to continue, trying to continue telling me that I didn't do enough or that I need to do more. You know, I'll find myself saying, you should have taken the kids outside today. You didn't do enough. Holy Spirit remind me, will remind me that they're just fine. And what they really wanted or needed is just my presence and some laughs and some giggles. And that if I didn't take them outside today, like I promised, or whether I promised or not, it would be okay. There would always be tomorrow, God willing, there would always be tomorrow. And, And that it's not about this performance for them. It's not about performance at all. Another example will be my mind will tell me you're slacking. You haven't done, you haven't planned enough homeschool activities. You haven't done enough in that area. You haven't, you know, done enough creative activities for the kids or what have you. Um, That's been me lately because between balancing launching Mission Motherhood Academy, I mean, that is when you're launching something in a business, that is like you, you go into double time work. Like that's, that's a really exhausting thing to do. Any of my entrepreneurs out there will know what that's like. So when you're doing that and you've got the kids at home full time and it's COVID and it's racial injustice and Breonna Taylor, by the way, have we arrested the cops that have killed Breonna Taylor? Have we? Have we? Have we? No? Oh, I didn't. I, right. Because the, at the time I'm recording this right now, we have not arrested the cops that have killed Breonna Taylor. So by the way, just side note, let's all tweet that. Just right now, stop, tweet or Instagram that, okay? And tag the um, the Louisville Police Department. Carrying on, moving on. But with everything going on, it's been extremely hard to fit in doing the perfect homeschool planning. And it's like, I have to constantly remind myself, Caroline, she's three. We're not in, we're not even in kindergarten yet. Like we're not even at the point where I have to legally announce to where the state in which I live that I'm even homeschooling, like calm down. It's okay. You have systems to fall back on. You have things that you can do. You can do the same thing every day if you need to, while you're just coasting through this time, your seasons are going to ebb and flow. So Holy Spirit will remind me that it's okay to do the basics or it's okay if your homeschool activity looks like you all cleaned the house that day because you did fall behind on your house cleaning or your home or your home management systems because of all the work you did over the weekend. And together you guys do that like that. All of these things are OK, but like my mind will try to like convince me that I'm I'm horrible and that I failed and, you know, that I'm not good enough, just like usual, just like my entire life. Like that stuff doesn't just go away. But now it's, you know, with my relationship with the Lord and choosing to listen to Holy Spirit and choosing to take those thoughts captive and choose grace and surrender to the Holy Spirit and his will and his love and and that faith. Like that's, that's the important part. Um, so I'm not, I'm not here to say like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm much better. And I never, I never struggle with this ever, ever, ever. That is 100% a lie. Like, no, I absolutely struggle with this all the time. And, And I will openly share my story and openly invite you all into what I go through and, and where I've come from in my journey, because I know that when I share my experiences in my journey and share what has helped me, which is what has even brought me to this podcast and brought me to the services that I do today, it w- if it was not for that journey, I would not be here helping you with yours, you know? So I'm, I'm, I will never pretend like all is well. You know, that, that will, that will never be me. That's not what you'll have here. And I hope that that's what you're looking for. I hope that you're not looking for someone that has it all together. Cause if you are, then you're in the wrong place, but I will share with you what has worked for me and what, um, 
and what has really been a game changer to help me practically in so many ways. Cause there's, I mean, the, the faith, the faith aspect of it is always number one, always choosing the Lord, surrendering to his will, um, seeking the kingdom first. Like that will always be number one. I will always root my teaching there. I could, I, that like, that's, that's what you'll get here at mission motherhood. And that's what you'll get in mission motherhood Academy is everything will be rooted in Christ. Um, but I will also share with you in wisdom and in knowledge and in sh- and strategy, you know, practical things that will help as well, because you've got to mix the two. You've got to meet the, the, the faith and the works have to come together to be able to provide um, that transformation. So a few things that actually really did help me let go of this perfectionism and and walk in a, in a new type of way of living, if you will, um, are exactly what I teach, which is the simplicity and routines and systems um, that have not only transformed the way that I do motherhood, but really transformed the way that I live my entire life. I talked about um, simplicity in our last episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, be sure to go give it a listen. It's from Tuesday. So just two days ago, if you're listening to this live or the day that it comes out, I did two episodes this week because I... um, because of the launch. This is like a bonus episode. So go give that um, episode a listen if you haven't already. But one thing I didn't mention in that episode is that living with less and even choosing like less color in my life really freed me from perfectionism. And a lot of people ask me like, do you have to like, if you want to be a minimalist, like, do you have to be like, do all neutral colors? Like, why do you do like color? Like what, what's wrong with it? Like, why do you do all neutrals? I get a lot of questions like that. And I don't mean to do that funny voice. I'm just, I'm just weird. But, um, but I get that question a lot. And um, that really is one of the biggest things that really freed me from perfectionism. Calming down um, all the items in my home and having less to choose from in every aspect was a huge game changer for me. Like literally just like choosing like simple, neutral colors. Everything is calm. Nothing has to match. Nothing has to be like perfect. It just already is because it just matches and it goes together and it's great and it's just easy. It's just so much easier. And it just allows my mind to not have so many decisions to make and have so much noise coming at me. Like there's already so much going on in our lives as moms, as career women, as, you know, teachers, as um, wives, as insert whatever else we do here. There's already so much going on. So and I know color is good. Like color, color is happy. Like I like colors to a certain extent. But, you know, for for me specifically and for a, a, a lot of people when they adopt even when they go as far as to adopt some of the practices of color which I don't teach that so I don't tell my students you need to also do all the neutrals I say no do what works for you but when I have students that are like you know what I want to try that too they do feel a very similar transformational difference so I do believe in that there's something about in the where you live in your home and your clothes and just having like I said having less to choose from having less noise or loudness coming at you um, because colors are loud and they 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 are bright and it's just sometimes just too much it's too much happening it's even calmed down stimulation with my kids too I really firmly believe that like having toys that are just a little bit more softer neutral muted in color I really do believe it calms them down as well so that's been huge. Um, I, I don't have as much to obsess. Oh, I have really nothing to obsess over because everything is super minimal and super just it just kind of matches and it goes together. I can put together, grab a pair of jeans, grab a different shirt every single day. It's it's plain, but it's cute and it works. And it just it's just easy. Like that brain space is no longer being taken up by like color coordinating the perfect outfits every single day or, you know, um, looking at my 
at my home and just looking at all the different, like I would just have so much, so much stuff and so much, so much color. And it was just constantly begging for my attention. I just don't have that problem anymore. It just, it's just like that solved and it's out of my way. And like it freed up this brain space that allows me to breathe and allows me to not have to worry about those things. Right. So I I just wanted to mention that because I didn't really mention that specifically in the last episode about simplicity. But again, go listen to that episode because I really do break down the science behind why choosing to live with less and adopting a lifestyle of simplicity is one of the key ingredients to conquering your mental load. It is it is a key thing that I teach. It is one of the pillars of mission motherhood um, is that specifically is simplicity and organization. So the other two game changers um, are routines and systems. And again, another thing that I teach um, very integral parts, core parts of my um, of my framework of the mission motherhood system um, and, and a, really a lot of what um, the core content that you'll receive from me inside Mission Motherhood Academy, inside this podcast, on my social media, like this is a, the other part of the core of what I teach, which is routines and systems. And it's not rigid schedules that promote even more perfectionism, but routines and systems that promote structure and automaticity while allowing for flexibility and grace. The structure gives me predictability that I can rely on. I default to it when things aren't going well, like, you know, because life does happen. I adapt it easily whenever I need to. And the systems I've implemented allow for things to happen without much thought. So that gives me more space than I ever had before to begin taking care of myself so that I can be around and present and alive for my kids, not just alive physically, but alive mentally and alive emotionally in ways that I never was before because I'm not obsessing over every little thing. I've created some systems and I just, I I allow those things to be how things run and they, it's just, it, it flows, it flows easily, it flows smoothly. And by systems, I mean like, um, from the way that the household is run to different systems for how we do things within um, our family and how we we have a we have it to a place where things flow so smooth that we're not constantly having to problem solve all the time because we just know how it's going to go and our our family works together as a team. Our me and my husband specifically, we've gotten to the point where we're, we're no longer trying to you know argue about who's doing what and you're not doing enough and all those frustrating arguments and just, oh, when am I going to get this done? And when am I going to get this done? No, the systems, you put them in place and they work. And if you do fall off your systems for whatever reasons, because that does happen too, they're so easy. They're there. They're they're the framework. They're already set up. You can just default back to them. You can always rearrange them when you need to. You can always look at it like this is your, like, again, this is your framework or this is your backbone. And it guides you. It's your it's your guide and really just takes so much pressure off. It really does. Like this this is what I firmly believe in. This is what I've created. This is what the Lord has helped me to create and what I have now taught several moms now from my private clients, my group clients, now those of you joining MMA, um, how to do for yourself and how to change the way that you approach life and change the way you approach motherhood. And you know, you may not be a recovering perfectionist like I am. Like that may not be your struggle. But I know that so many of you out there are struggling with the weight and pressure of motherhood, right? 
trying to juggle it all, afraid of messing up or feeling like a failure all in the same breath, wishing you could find the time to prioritize yourself, but feeling like you have to earn that time in order to not feel guilty. A lot of this is rooted. It may not be perfectionism, but but they're all rooted in very similar places. They sound a lot like what I went through all my life, right? I know because so many of you send me DMs telling me this is exactly what you think and feel. Or when I'm meeting with my clients and my clients say, oh, I feel like I have to earn, you know, being able to take time for myself. So I wait all the way to the end of the day to do so. And by then I'm too drained. That's a cycle. That's a vicious cycle that has to stop. A vicious cycle that has to stop. That doesn't have to be your reality. You want so badly to change that reality. You don't want motherhood and life to feel the way that it feels right now, but you are afraid if you try too hard and it still doesn't work because you may have tried other things before. Maybe you've tried other routines. Maybe you've tried habit books. Maybe you've said, and said, I'm going to commit to this or do this or do this or whatever, and you and it didn't work. You don't want to set yourself up for a failure again. It's, it's, um, it's easier for you to, it's easier for you to, to stay stagnant, I don't say stagnant, but to stay put, to stay stuck where you are than it is to try again to change the way this all feels and change the way that you approach and live life because what if it doesn't work? What if you try that, try this new thing or try this new way of doing it and like everything else has ever failed you before, you don't want to feel like that failure again. You don't want to set yourself up for failure again. And I, I, I understand. I've, I've been there. I've been there so many times and sometimes I am still there. And I want nothing more than to show you that you are worthy of that narrative that you desire to write and, and to give you the tools to begin writing that narrative. Which is why I will constantly preach over and over again the framework that I believe in, simplicity, organization, um, getting routines and systems in order in your home and creating a way for you to write a motherhood and life that fits your needs, fits your desires, fits your wants and your families at the same time, takes the pressure off, teaches you how you can juggle all of it without feeling like you will drop the ball somewhere or only dropping balls that need to be dropped because some things do all of those things, I want to show you and give you the tools that you can do all of those things and begin writing that narrative you desire, but without that pressure, without that extra overwhelm, without the need to prove anything to anybody, while the grace that is still welcome and the weakness that is still welcome in the midst of that mission. That is what I am here to show you. That's what I'm here. That's why I'm so passionate. That's why I will never stop telling my story and sharing it. Because even if it's just one mama that's listening to this today that says, oh my goodness, you, I feel seen and I feel heard. Even if it's just one mama, then this story, this sharing, this podcast, this this membership program, the workshop that that's on Sunday, every single thing, all of it is worth it. Even if it's just for that one mama that needed to hear the story, that one mama that said yes and said, I'm ready to not live like this anymore. I'm ready to change that narrative. I hope that you, you who are listening to this right now, are that one mama that says, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to write this narrative of motherhood that feels the way that I desire for it to feel so that I can focus and be that mission-driven mama, that mission-driven woman that God is calling me to be, but do so in freedom. In freedom. 
So the doors to the Mission Mother Academy do close tomorrow evening. <laughs> um, and I hope to see you inside. I really do. Because you are worthy of making an investment in yourself. And I really hope that you know that. You are definitely worthy of it. But whatever you decide, regardless, whether that's joining Mission Motherhood Academy, not joining, I hope that you continue to to choose to stay here and listen to this podcast. I hope that you continue to choose to follow me on Instagram so that you can learn more, learn more from my journey, learn more from my story, learn more from my teaching. I really hope that you choose to do something that starts you on your journey of rewriting that narrative for yourself that you so deserve to, to, to write. That's my hope for you in whatever way that you choose. It does not matter. Like this is your decision to make and you know what's best for you. But I want you to make decisions and be empowered to make decisions that are best for you that are going to bring you closer to freedom and motherhood. Not anything that's going to keep you stuck and afraid if you're sitting in a place where you don't want to be sitting anymore. That's my hope and desire for you. All right. So I appreciate you being here so much, Mama. Um, and I hope, I, like I said, I hope to see you inside the Academy. But if not, of course, I will see you in the, in the next episode. Do me a favor. If this episode spoke to you, please not only share it on Instagram, but stop for a minute and just write me a review. Write me a review in iTunes, rate and review it. I would really appreciate that. Um, that really also helps um, this content to be able to kind of progress and grow and reach other moms. And and um, it will really, 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 really help me as a content creator to serve you and continue to, to show up here every single Tuesday. So if this episode really spoke to you or if any of my other episodes have spoken to you and you have not left a review yet, I would really appreciate it if you did. Thank you. And I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Mission Motherhood Podcast. You can check out the show notes for this episode at carolinejsumlin.com slash blog. If the content of this episode helped you in any way, please take a few minutes to share this episode with a mama friend, share this podcast to your Instagram stories, and leave us a review in iTunes and subscribe to the show. Thank you so much for listening, mama. See you next time.